a long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 47, with a cover date of March 1978, it's The Human Fly, number 7. Hello and welcome to Marvel's Cosmic Comics, a sub-feed of the comic book Time Machine. Over at comicbooktimemachine.com, you can find our main feed, which features episodes by me and my friends uh, Daniel Butcher and Matt Anderson talking about a number of different comic book subjects. But here it's just me, Ben, Ben Avery, talking about the Marvel-licensed sci-fi and fantasy comic books that came out during the Star Wars era of 1977 to 1986. And if you go to episode one of this series, you can find an explanation of what that means and what's not getting covered and that kind of thing. But for now, all you really need to know is that we're talking about comics that have to do with books, movies, action figures, and, of course, real-life stuntmen. And that brings us to, well, today's issue, which is The Human Fly, number seven. If you're listening right now, and this is the first episode that you've listened to of this Marvel stuff, uh, you don't know about my, my history with The Human Fly, and you may not even be familiar with who The Human Fly is or what The Human Fly is. So I'm just going to briefly give you a quick overview of what it is we're actually looking at here. Uh, the human fly is a real life stunt man and he would do different stunts. The money always went to charity and Marvel comics connected with him to do a comic book about his exploits, his fictional exploits in the Marvel universe that reflected somewhat his real life exploits. For example, the first stunt in issue one, where he was standing on top of a plane, that's also a stunt that he had really done in, in real life. For me, it was a little bit of excitement when I opened up the bag that had that month that featured the Human Fly issue number one. I was excited because it was something new, it was something strange, it was something beyond you know the typical science fiction, pulp adventure type of stuff that I was covering. For this project, and it was one of those little surprises, like I've said before, where sometimes I forget what I've put in or when they got put in. And so I didn't know, oh, human fly, it's coming up right now. And so I was excited. And since then, I have had my excitement get tempered a little bit. Uh, the human fly has not. Well, OK. I was going to say it's been some of the best and some of the worst, but it, it really hasn't been some of the best. Uh, it hasn't even come close to being some of the best of what I've been reading. It has 
absolutely been some of the worst of what I've been reading. And I believe it's Human Fly number two that is quite possibly the worst thing I've read for not just for this series going through the Marvel sci-fi. It's quite possibly the worst thing that I've read for anything that has to do with comic book time machine. It's not the worst comic book I've ever read. That honor (laughs) goes to something else. (laughs) A couple other things, actually. Definitely not the worst comic I've ever read. And maybe some of those, uh, you know, grab bag books that I've been, you know, getting from the store. Maybe some of those random books haven't been very great. But that issue number two, and it never quite lived up to any possible expectations I might have for the series or might have had, I should say, for the series. But this month, this month was difficult because I I don't know if I'm actually going to be swinging around on this. This issue, number seven of The Human Fly, uh, well, let's let's just get into it because I'm still trying to figure out how I really feel about this. Uh, The writer is still Bill Mantlo, who also wrote that um, Man from Atlantis story from this month. The artist is Lee Elias, the inker Mike Esposito, and it was lettered by someone with the last name of Patterson. I'm sorry, I don't know the first name. And the colorist is Mary Titus. And the cover does promise something wild. Uh, It says, a rocket sled stunt becomes a battle for survival. And it shows the human fly leaping from a snow machine, leaping from the snowmobile that has that's blasting through the air with rocket jets. That's the first thing you see. It's red. And then you see what he's leaping toward, a giant bear. And underneath the bear, a child screaming in terror. Behind the child, an adult body laying on the ground with a crashed snowmobile next to him. And then there are the words, fury in the wild. So that's our cover. And like any cover, it promises a lot. It has to promise a lot because it wants to get you to plunk down your 35 cents. Hard earned cash. Cold, hard cash. And it's got to set itself apart from all the other stuff on that spinner rack that we went to in December of 1977 and honestly the cover does its job well it sells me on this and i'll be honest fighting bears is not something i ever want to do fighting bears is not something i'll ever encourage someone to do fighting bears is not something that i'd like to go and see happen at a carnival or something like that however the idea of fighting a bear is something that It just reaches in and touches that basic nature, that base nature, that that human nature that wants to triumph over nature, nature. Uh, You get what I mean? The idea, I mean, you've got this clawed beast with enormous strength and terrible jaws and having to fight and overcome this thing. It's, it's like one of the few things in nature that could totally tear you apart, but you could also, as a human being, stand a chance against. 
because of your wits. And I don't want to see bears get hurt. I don't want to see bears hurt other people. But the idea of fighting the bear? I mean, there's a reason this phrase, you must fight the bear, is stuck within my soul. And I really maybe have revealed a little too much about my inner soul. But the idea, you you have to overcome this enormous thing that is in your way before you can do something. Uh, You have to fight the bear. Now, full disclosure, the phrase itself does not come from any kind of revelation I had in any kind of, you know, meditation or spiritual searching or anything like that. It actually comes from a Saturday Night Live skit that I've never seen. It comes from my friends quoting the Saturday Night Live sketch and saying, you must fight the bear. And me then kind of just latching on to that concept, that idea that, you know, I, I think it was it just in a, a suburban setting where it was a family and they were making people fight their bear or something. I don't know exactly what the situation was, but it made me just kind of use the phrase way too often whenever someone wants to do something and I want to, you know, give them kind of a funny answer. I don't say it out loud. It is said within my head. They say, hey, can I do this? Uh, Yes, but you must fight the bear. So enough talking about Saturday Night Live, although Saturday Night Live could easily have fit into this licensed sci-fi thing uh, with the Saturday Night Live issue of spider-man i'll have to look into that and see if it happened between 1977 and 1986 because that's that's licensing right there but no we're talking about the human fly and here's the thing i read it i mean obviously i read it because it'd be kind of silly for me to be sitting here talking about this thing and not having read it although i could see the case could be made for you know not putting myself through torture intentionally But I read this, and so help me, I think it worked. I think I liked it. You know, the setup is kind of silly, but it's heartfelt. Um, You have the the opening splash page is a scene from the middle of the book, as we've done often. The narration is not by any of our typical characters. It's actually done by the guest star. And that's the thing, like with Man from Atlantis, which actually was based on an hour-long primetime adventure series about a guy who is helping fight evil and helping people, you know, in various situations. Uh, I know I don't know how the TV series worked. Um, I'm just saying that that actually was, you know, what we're talking about. This is a human fly. This issue is exactly what I've been expecting, and it does so in quite possibly the best way of all seven issues so far where it takes the human fly it he's traveling you know he's doing a stunt somewhere else i mean it, the setup is is all there he's going to do a stunt someone gets in trouble he's got to help them and that's the setup for a perfect prime time traveling adventurer series like night rider like the incredible hulk like the a team like you know, any non, any number of those types of shows, that's what we have here. He goes, he's doing what he does. Something goes wrong with somebody 
in the, you know, the, the guest stars, and then he helps them. In this situation, he's going to do a stunt on a snowmobile, a snow machine. And the narrator is a man who works on snowmobiles for this resort for rich people. And he's complaining about how he have all these rich people and they come in and they enjoy themselves. And who's making sure they get to enjoy themselves and getting you know paid minimum wage? Him. And not only that, there was an accident recently and his wife died in the accident and his son was blinded in the accident and he can't afford to get his son an operation that could re- restore his sight. Okay. Yes. Clearly. We're talking cliche here. I, I don't think you could get more cliche than this idea of if I just had this much money, I could get, you know, and we know exactly by the end of this comic, the human fly is going to be giving this guy money to help his son get his sight back. We know that. And yeah, there's a part of me that says, oh, okay, whatever. But there's a part of me that is curious you got this guy complaining. I mean, he's not a nice sounding person. He's not the kind of person you want to spend time with. He's the kind of person that you would listen to if he was your friend. You would listen to if that was part of your job to listen to people complain about that kind of thing. Like if you were a pastor or if you were a psychologist or even if you were a bartender, because apparently this guy has an alcohol problem. And it's even suggested that this, the the snowmobile uh, accident that he was in, he may have been drinking before he went for this ride on this snowmobile, which is really irresponsible. They don't show him drinking, but it is mentioned in the captions that he was, you know, drowning his problems in, in his beer. But anyway, the setup is all there. You know where this is going. You know there's going to be a bear involved now because of this cover. There's going to be an accident. And so, you know, just by looking at the cover and reading that first page, you know, finding out about his son who's blind and, the, you know, then you're, you're reading the setup and you know exactly what's going to happen. And again, this is one of those things where it's not the what. You know what the what is. It's not the why. You now know what the why is. The why is kind of interesting, but not, not again, kind of cliche. It's the how. How are we going to get there? And part of what carries that is going to be our art by Lee Elias who is taking turns with Frank Robbins, uh, according to the fly papers, it says that the book has two regular artists. Frank Robbins and Lee Elias are now permanent pencilers. Uh, and since most of the stories are single issue tales, each artist can work on their respective plots with Bill strenuously seeing to it that there is a line of continuity holding the book together. So Frank did issues five, six, eight, and nine. Lee is working on seven, 10 and 11. They said, this is something new for Marvel, but then so is the entire concept of a book like The Human Fly. Lee Elias is going to be the person who makes or breaks this book, really. And, you know, Bill Mantlo, he's he's going to give us a story. It's a cliched story, and it feels right at home, right at home with a Knight Rider story. It feels right at home with any number of those kind of traveling helpful uh, hero TV shows. So it's, it's set. It's, it's nice. This is a Christmas story. It's, it's set at a uh, festival at a winter resort, a a mountain resort. And people don't want uh, the human fly to do the stunt. 
And we, we still have a little bit of the stuff going on with um, Ms. White, uh, the the reporter, and, and she has to you – know, she's apologizing. And this is nice. You know, with a TV show, maybe in season two, the the friendly foil would actually, you know, join the team and be a, a nice person with – but they, they don't change really over time on a TV show like that. But in this case, we've had her have a change of heart. And not only does she have a change of heart, she actually has a moral dilemma in that if she doesn't continue doing what she wants to do, which is expose the human fly, she'll lose her job. And so she apologizes to him, but she wants to talk to him about this. Now, he doesn't have time to talk to her because he has to do his stunt. But this is something that it was kind of nice to see this little bit of change where this hardened reporter is choosing to, you know, choosing her, her human side. And so what happens is he goes and he's going to do his stunt. And our, our narrator, um, he's, he's upset because his son can't watch the stunt. And so knowing his son would hear the cheers, he, he decides to take his son off on the, on the snowmobile and go out for a ride. Now, this is where he's dr been drinking. This is a real problem. And all of this is his fault, really. Uh, but it's quite possible he wasn't. We don't see it. For some reason, Bill Mantlow chose to keep that, uh, you know, put that into a, a caption box about about it. But I don't know if it, it was if he's been drinking right now or if it's just that that's something that's been ongoing when he's off the job. They tie up the seeing eye dog, uh, whose name is is Frost, and they tie him up because he can't come on the snow machine and he can't keep up with it. And so he's going to be there at the the garage. And so now we have our setup. The snowmobile with uh, Andy, who's the, the name of the boy, and his father is going off and just going out into the woods, into the canyon, really, that uh, the human fly is going to be jumping over in his rocket sled his rocket snowmobile and human fly. He's going on his stunt. Now, if he does anything wrong, even the slightest thing wrong, well, it's going to be a problem because if he shoots off the jet too early or too late, he's dead. And so he's doing the stunt. And of course he does it perfectly, but while he does it, he's flying overhead and it causes Andy's father to turn and look and then when he turns back around, there's a bear in front of them and he veers off to the side and it's a horrifying panel of the snowmobile turning over on its side and his uh, the father falls off and hits his head on a tree full speed while the boy goes with the snowmobile. And this actually happened to me once, not the bear part, but I remember going out on the snowmobile with my dad and the snowmobile uh my dad took a turn too hard or too sharp and it was the snow was was too um too soft and we just flipped over on its side and we were just stuck there with our legs under one leg underneath the snowmobile and the other leg on top and we're just kind of sitting there on our side and i just remember looking at the back of my dad and just trying to figure out what just happened and it was kind of funny we weren't hurt uh, in this case, you know, this was uh, has a much worse uh, outcome than with my dad and me. But then, you know, the human fly is doing his stunt. He lands perfectly and jumps off his rocket snowmobile immediately. 
and goes and starts just skidding down on his feet, kind of skiing without any skis down the side of this gorge because he saw out of the corner of his eye the man and his son hit the tree. And so he runs down, he, he's, he signals to his, he's, he actually tells people to signal to his crew to meet him down there. And he goes down, he sees the bear, the bear is coming after the boy, the dad is not moving, the dad is not responsive, the boy doesn't know what has happened because he can't see that his dad is laying there unconscious. So meanwhile, uh, the human flies team, his mechanical team, they go, they get some snowmobiles, and they realize, oh, there's this seeing eye dog. And, oh, we heard about, you know, the blind boy hasn't been seen, and I saw him with this dog. And so they let the dog go. And they, eh, this is one of those plot points where they kind of put two and two together and get four pretty quickly, even though they don't even know it's like X plus Y equals four, but they figure out, oh, it's two plus two without any other information being given to them. But they follow the dog as the dog runs away and they've you know contacted the authorities and uh, there's help on the way, but the help is not going to get there quick enough. Fortunately, the human fly is. And he gets there. The bear is about to attack the boy. Human fly jumps on the back of the bear. And these two pages, or is it three? I'm going to peek here. It's three. These three pages of bear fighting make this just perfect. Now, you know, human fly has his cane. He's using that, you know, to like put in the, the bear's mouth. He's trying to pull back on the bear. The bear grabs human fly and puts him into, well, a bear hug. And the little boy realizes that there is a bear and that someone is stopping the bear from getting to him. The little boy can't do much and he doesn't know where they are exactly, but he gets his flare gun. He, get, he's, he manages to find the flare gun uh, from the snowmobile and turning around and he's trying to figure out what to do. But then it actually says, and then just like in those old Lassie TV shows, Frost jumps on the bear Bites into the bear's shoulders. I mean, this is getting into... This is Jack London stuff here, man. This is White Fang. You know, this is Call of the Wild. And the dog jumps on the bear. The bear lets go of human fly, which allows the boy to be able to turn, aim toward the sound. You know, he's doing his best impression of Daredevil, I guess. He's aiming towards the sound, fires off the flare. The flare hits the bear full in the chest, and then the bear runs off. Then they wrap everything up. In four panels. Maybe, well, I guess you could say it's four panels. I'm being generous when I say they wrap, wrap everything up in four panels. Uh, but they, the help comes, they put the dad on a stretcher, and then um, the human fly says, my leap across the gorge raised enough money for the winter festival, and some of that money could go to the operation that Andy needs to see again, which how does he even know that Andy needs an operation to see again? I mean, nothing was, was mentioned about that during the bear fight. But maybe it was mentioned while they were waiting for, you know, help to arrive. Anyway, they wrap it up just like that. And it's wrapped up just like any sitcom. I mean, it feels like a sitcom, it feel, you know, with a happy ending. And they're all just standing there being, you know, happy together. It feels like the ending of Chips or the ending of Knight Rider or the ending of the A-Team where, you know, we have to make sure everyone knows that everything's going to be okay for everyone who's involved. And 
it works. What can I say? It works. The bear fight, it was actually kind of exciting. Uh, I didn't necessarily like the cliches we throw in there with the, you know, the seeing eye dog coming and helping. But the fact that the boy actually was a part of the solution and the fact that the boy was actually able to, you know, have that opportunity to act. And so me, adult Ben, I'm reading this. I'm trying to think of what child Ben would think. I think child Ben would appreciate that the child in the story was actually a part of the action and actually a part of the resolution. Adult Ben likes that from a storytelling perspective that this kid isn't just being rescued, but he is actually having a part in his own rescue and rescuing his father and helping the human fly. The sum of the parts... You know, it's a cliched story with a cliched ending, but I guess I'm just giving it extra points for fighting the bear. And, you know, I I just have to say, if you listen to Welcome to Level 7, any of the comic book episodes of Welcome to Level 7, we talked about this on there when we talked about uh, Original (laughs) Sins with uh, Agent Carter and how they promised me a bear fight and they didn't deliver. Here, they promised me a bear fight, and it was 100 times better than any shark fight that I actually got after they promised me that. And so here I am. I guess I'm just I'm just easy to satisfy. I'm easy to please. And in this case, yeah, is it still, you know, does it does it rise up to that point where it's, you know, super enjoyable no no it it doesn't but it was good enough that i actually kind of enjoyed reading it and i enjoyed talking about it a little bit the cliches were there but so was the bear and so i mean this month we're off to a you know we had a decent star wars twist we have a decent human fly twist man from atlantis was okay but not great I think it was actually even better than Man from Atlantis, honestly. Uh, We still have John Carter to come and Godzilla to come. But overall, I'm, I'm liking this month so far. This has not been a wasted trip on the comic book time machine for me. So I just want to say thank you for listening. And you can come to comicbooktimemachine.com where you can find out all about our other podcasts and uh you know welcome level 7.com where i talk about marvel's agents of shield and the marvel cinematic universe and then also have strangers and aliens.com which is a podcast about uh, faith science fiction and fantasy and christianity and all that kind of thing and so with that all said i really the only thing i have left to say is thank you for listening and godspeed Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, what's better than a giant bear fight? Well, how about a giant monstrous lizard fight? Godzilla, King of the Monsters, issue number eight, cover dated March 1978.